friend's song says, I'll be there for you because you were there for me. And I, I think those are incredibly, uh, they're just, it's a great, great words in that song. Um, now, I'm not endorsing the TV show, that's a whole other thing, but the, the song, the words are rich, and the idea of, of friendship and that concept that friends are, are essential in our life uh, is absolutely true. We all need friends. There was a recent study done of mental health, and uh, they discovered that if you are disconnected from other people, that if there's no one in your life that understands you or that you feel really understands you, get this, you're three times more likely to die an early death. That's encouraging, isn't it, this morning? Four times more likely to suffer emotional burnout. Five times more likely to suffer clinical depression and 10 times more likely to be hospitalized for emotional or mental disorders. The, the fact is that human contact is good medicine. Friendships help us live healthier lives. And, and so friendship isn't just something that's nice to have. I believe it's essential. It's essential to your physical well-being, your emotional and spiritual health. It absolutely is. And so we've been using uh, different uh, drinks to, to talk about. And Sobe has a whole family of drinks. Actually, they, they probably got about 20 of them, different, different types of drinks that they put out. This is a can of Essential. And uh, the, the fact is that on the can, it says naturally energizing. And so we're going to find out. I'm glad I didn't like have to practice this, but hmm, it's good. Friendships are essential. the The fact is that uh, getting connected to other people, I believe, what you'll find is it's naturally energizing. It it builds you up, and so. You know, how is it that we connect on a deep level? How is it that, that we build these kind of friendships? And I, I find it interesting. What I believe is one of the most important skills in life is to learn how to connect to people, you know, heart-to-heart, soul-to-soul kind of thing, that unfortunately nobody ever teaches us how to do it. I mean, it, it certainly isn't taught in school. Did anybody ever take a class? that taught you how to connect to other people. I mean, we learn math and science and history and geography. Uh, we, we take languages, but not one class on how to connect, how to, how to have relationships with, with other people. You know, I get a little worried sometimes when I look at where society is going. It won't be long, and there just won't be contact, you know. And I am convinced that... We don't, if you don't develop this skill, hear this, if you don't develop the skill of connecting to other people, you won't go very far in life. You may be brilliant, you may be creative, you may be talented, you may even be a genius, 
But if you do not know how to connect with other people, you will not go very far. You just won't. The fact is that it is key to success is how you connect to other people. Genesis 2, it says it's not good for man to be alone. And we always think, oh, that means he, he created Eve and then they had, had a relationship. And so we always jump to, oh, yeah, everybody ought to get married. That's not, that's not what the point was. The point was that it wasn't part of God's plan to live in isolation. We are our social beings. God made us to have relationships. Uh, he meant for us to have friends in, in our lives. There are basically two kinds of friends, uh, and we've got casual friends, and we've got close friends. And casual friends are kind of the result of uh, school or work or maybe our neighbors, and close friends are people that that we choose. I mean, it's a result of choices that, that we make. And the fact is, I can't be close to everyone. So I've got to be selective. And the reason why I need to be selective is because the closer you are to someone, the greater impact they have on your life, the more influence that you give them. And the Bible says that we don't get close friends by accident. It's not by default. It's, the fact is, the Bible says we've got to make choices. And it has a lot to say about the kind of friends that we choose in our lives. Proverbs 27 says... A mirror reflects a person's face, but what they are really like is shown by the kind of friends they choose. The Bible says that the kind of friends you choose shows the kind of person you are. And the Bible also says that we're to love everybody. Okay? We're to love everybody. But we're to be careful about the friends that we pick the people that, that we choose to pull in close to us. And so what I want to do, and I'm going to blitz through the kind of what I consider the essentials of relationships and how do you choose a friend? What do you look for? We're just going to blitz through this and then we're going to take a closer look at how, how we do it. But the first essential that we need in our life is our friends should stimulate us mentally in our lives. And what you're going to find if you have a friend that, that challenges you mentally, you know, a friend that motivates you, that brings out the very best in you, that it changes everything. Proverbs says, whoever walks with the wise becomes wise, but the companion of fools suffers harm. It goes on and it says, iron sharpens iron, and one person sharpens the wit of another. The, the fact is, your friends, the people that you have around you, are part of your education. They help you grow. And here's my question. Do your friends, the people closest to you, do they make you think? Do they help you become a better person? I like what Emerson uh, said. He said, a friend is someone who makes you do what you can do. You know, I would state it, helps us reach our potential. And so we've got to find someone that challenges us mentally and also supports us emotionally. Because if they support us emotionally, well, 
they energize us. A friend is someone that will stand by you when the bottom drops out, when things go, go awry. Proverbs 17, 17 says, A friend loves at all times, and a brother or sister is born for adversity. It means that that someone is going to see you through. When, when everybody else walks out in your life, when the storms hit, when you mess up, the people that walk into your life and stay there are true friends, not the people that, that take and head for the hills. You know, a friend is someone that when the going gets tough, they join in with you, they, that you can count on them in crisis. Paul writes, he says, bear one another's burdens. You know, he's talking about building up one another, supporting one another emotionally. And our friends, again, this is essential, our friends should strengthen us spiritually, make us stronger. You know, there is a difference between uh, friendship and fellowship. Do you know that? See, friendship is based on the mind. It's based on the emotions, and you have to have those things going. But fellowship is a function of the Spirit. The, the Holy Spirit begins to work in our life. And in other words, you can be friends with unbelievers, people that aren't, haven't given their life to Christ. In fact, I'm always encouraging people to build friendships because friendships give you the opportunity to, to share the faith. You know, don't let people drag you down, but let, let them have that kind of friendship with you. But what you can't have with a non-believer is fellowship because fellowship is something only, only Christians have with one another because it's a function of the Spirit and it relies on the fact that two people are going the same direction in life, that they have the same kind of foundations in life. First Thessalonians says, encourage one another and build each other up. Paul later goes on in Hebrews and he says, spur one another on toward love and good works. The Bible says that everyone needs a spiritual encourager. How many of you need, a, need someone to encourage you once in a while? I mean, we, we need that in our life. Someone that we can share our struggles with, that we can pray, that can pray with us, that someone that will lift us up and encourage us, not discourage us in our lives. You know, the, the fact is, that's how God's geared us up. So that's kind of what you look for in a friend. Here's where we're going to spend the bulk of our time. How do you find a friend? How do you find a friend? Well, first of all, you've got to become that kind of friend. And I know this morning as I talk, I'm, this is going to get in the face of some of you. And it's going to challenge you. And some of you are going to be a, a little afraid to, to take the steps. But God's word guides us with this. On what, It has a lot to say about what being a friend is. And so I want to give you some Sobe advice. You know, Sobe, I told you they got different... different uh, cans in the in the family but this is no fear and the fact is we need to have no fear in our lives when it comes to building friendships and the first thing that you need if you're going to be the kind of friend so you got to become the friend to have a friend is so be 
interested in others. So be interested in others. It's getting a different perspective on life. To have a friend, you've got to be a friend. The, and the starting point, and I see a lot of people fall down here, is you've got to get interested in what's going on in their life. You've got to get interested in other people and what, what's happening and, and going on. Proverbs says, a person who wants to have friends must show themselves to be a friend. That's good advice. You know, Proverbs 18.1 says, people who don't get along with others are interested only in themselves. Selfishness is a guarantee to a lonely life, living life alone. If you're just concerned about your needs, your aches, your pain, your desires, your dreams, your goals, I got news for you, you're not going to have very many friends in life. The fact is, we are not created to live that way, to be me-centered. And I know that goes against our, our culture. Philippians 2, Paul says, Let each of you look not to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. Now, Paul said it's okay to pay attention to your stuff, but you also need to be other-centered. I like what Frederick Collins, uh, in his book, he talks about that there are two types of people in the world. There are those who come into a room and go, well, I'm here. That's one type of person. And the other is the person that walks into the room and says, ah, you're here. Big difference in orientation. You know, are you the, da-da, I'm here. Or are you the kind of person that says, Wow, I was looking for you. I'm glad you're here. From birth, friends, I believe that we are conditioned to think about ourselves first. It's in our nature. It's in our society. You know, how does this affect me? You know, what's in it for me? You know, I've got to do what works for me in my life. And consequently, we have millions of people that are disconnected from other people because when they think, all they think about is themselves. And friendship requires investing in other people. It means connecting with others. You know, friendships uh, must be built. They don't just happen. It means you've got to get involved. You've got to become sensitive. You've got to listen. You've got to tune in to what's going on in their life. Romans 12, 15, it says, Rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn. It's talking about the fact that we have to have an emotional involvement in one another's lives. And one of the ways you know if a friend is real or not, or you can do a little bit of evaluating here, is when you have a success in your life, you know, you get a raise, uh, you know, win, win the lottery, uh, get, a, get a promotion, whatever. Do your friends cheer for you? Or is there a little, ooh, they're ahead of me now. I don't know, I didn't, you know, that tension. You know, because friends cheer. They go, great, way to go, I am so happy for you. They're not jealous, they're not uptight, they're not in competition, hear that, they're not in competition with their friends. 
And a friend's someone that sympathizes with your problems, even if they aren't that big. They understand. They try and try and connect. Major shift. This is a major shift in, in thought process is from me to others. Thinking about other people, fundamental starting point is you have to begin to get interested in other people. You know, the, the essentials of, of friendship. What else do we need to do? Well, we need to be, so be positive. So be positive. If we're going to become the kind of friends that we need to become, the, the fact is you've got to become positive. Hear this. If you are always griping, complaining, got an ache, got a pain, you know, got a problem, finding something wrong with everything around you, I got news for you. You're not going to have very many friends in life because people, people don't connect that way. Paul writes this. He says, do all things without complaining and arguing so that you may be blameless and innocent children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation in which you, in which you shine like stars in the world. A person that's not a complainer is unique. A person that doesn't gripe all the time is different, and I would argue that they stand out like a star in the night, that people take notice. And so one of the things we need to be is positive with the words that, that we share. You know, around as we're trying to reach people and connect, we got to be positive. We got to be positive in our attitude. We got to be positive with our words. Ephesians four says this: says, "Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may be benefit those who listen." Use your words to build people. When I was a kid, my dad, uh, he would buy pieces of property, and we would either rehab a house so that we could sell it, or we would rent it out. And so something that, that I noticed is a kid, once in a while before we could fix a house up, we had to tear out stuff. We had to tear walls out because of water damage or termites, those kinds of things. And so... My brother and I, we would uh, get a sledgehammer out. It was so fun. It was so cool. Dad go, see that wall? It's got to come down. And we'd fight over who got to work. It was the only time we ever fought over who got to work. But uh, we'd take turns. And what I noticed was when we started knocking stuff out, we laughed, we joked, we had fun, we got excited. And I think sometimes... In our lives, our words are kind of like that sledgehammer. No real planning. You know, we just start swinging. And pretty soon we look around and suddenly we've got this pile of relational rubble in our lives. And friends, when you start swinging, throwing those words around and tearing down, Inevitably, inevitably, it's going to damage your relationships. 
Now, one of the things you have to understand is that words, words are a powerful tool. And I would challenge you to ask yourself, do you, when you speak, are your words, do they tend to be uh, positive or negative? What would people say? What's, where would you be in that balance? Again, remember, people remember words. Some of you remember something from fifth grade that somebody said to you and it stuck with you your whole life. Positive? Negative. You know, how can I use my words to encourage, to build up, to challenge, to make a difference in the people that I care about the most and love the most? You know, a different orientation. Another thing is be positive with your countenance. It's such a, a simple thing. Smile. It changes things. It's universally understood in every single culture in life. In fact, let's just practice. Turn to your neighbor and smile. Someone goes, man, this is really uncomfortable. I don't like it when he has us do that, and now i got to smile, and I don't even like the person I'm sitting next to. i got to have lunch with her today, but, you know... I'm it's hard. The natural reaction is when someone smiles, you smile back. You know, it's a, it's a change in our countenance. Someone said that a smile is the shortest distance between two people. Proverbs 15 says, a happy heart makes the face cheerful. It doesn't cost anything. It has tremendous benefits. It's powerful I've said this before. I, I think that a sourpuss Christian is just a sad deal. In fact, I believe it's an insult to God and an embarrassment to the Christian faith. You know, 2 Corinthians 3.18 says that we are to reflect our God, that we are a reflection of God. We are representative of Jesus Christ and unfortunately, I know a lot of places light up after the Christian walks out of the room. And there's something wrong with that. How many of you are glad you're here today? All right, please inform your face, if you would. You know. You ought to see. I know, I know it's a two-way street here, but you ought to see what I get a look at some mornings. There he goes again, going to make us look at each other, you know. Be positive. So be positive and try this one on. So be a good listener. You know, James says, be quick to listen and slow to speak. The fact is, some of you, if you just took this advice, forgot all the other things we're going to talk about this morning, but just took this, what you would find as you begin to listen is that your friendships would increase. They'd become stronger. You know, I challenge you, next time you're at a gathering, uh, wh whether it's a family gathering or, you know, a party or, or whatever, find someone you don't know very well 
Maybe not at all. And go up to that person and start talking and hold them in conversation. Don't hold them hostage, but hold them in conversation for about 20 minutes. And keep drawing them out. Don't say anything about yourself. Just keep asking them, you know, oh, where do you work? How long have you been there? You know, oh, I, how old are your kids? Just get them talking about themselves. When you walk away at the end of that 20 minutes, they will think you're the most intelligent, friendly, nicest person in that entire room, hands down. You know why? Because you let them talk about what they love talking about, their favorite subject themselves. It's absolutely true. You know, you do not have to be profound to influence people's lives Just talk less and listen more. You notice God gave you two ears and one mouth? That's because I think he knew we really were going to struggle with this thing here. You know, so, so be a good listener and so be honest. If you're going to connect with other people... You have to be honest. And the way honesty is built is when the other person knows that they are going to be accepted unconditionally by you. You cannot build a true friendship until you establish the fact that you will accept them no matter what. You see, masks have to come off. We wear all these masks. We're so afraid for people to see who we are. And the reason why is because we're afraid they won't love us or accept us or, or be able to, to deal with whatever it is. And the fact is, when you show unconditional love and acceptance for another person, then the mask can come off. Honesty becomes easier when that kind of love and acceptance exists. You know, Romans fifteen seven says, accept one another just as Christ accepted you. Biblical friendships are always unconditional. You know, it it is not, I will love you if, or I'll love you because, it's I'll love you no matter what happens, no matter what's going on in, in your life. Acceptance is key in a relationship. It's absolutely key. And don't misunderstand me, all right? Don't go out here and go, Okay, I should never say anything negative, and I should never challenge anyone. And if someone's out in left field, I'll I'll just kind of go with the flow and go, Oh, don't worry about it. That's okay. That's great. That's not what I'm saying. That's not what I'm saying. The the fact is, we're, we're talking about honesty. Proverbs 24 says, An honest answer is a sign of a true friend. An honest answer. You know, honesty creates connection. Meaningful, healthy relationships are built on honesty, not flattery. Not flattery. If you've got someone that is always flattering you, telling you what you want to hear, kissing up to you or whatever, I got news for you. They're using you. I don't know why they're using you, but they're using you because True friendships are not based on that. Flattery is a sign of manipulating someone. 
Genuine friendships are built on honesty. A good friend will tell you when you're blowing it, when you're messing up, when, when you're wasting your life, when you're making a bad decision. You know, we all have blind spots in our lives, every one of us. And the key question is, do you have anyone that will point that out to you? Anyone that will hold you accountable? Anyone that cares enough about you to say, you know what, you need to work on this. You know, do you have anybody that helps you grow in your life? Because if you don't, you will never grow. Because you can't work on what you can't see. It's just that simple. Now, a couple rules uh, about connecting and being honest and uh, challenging someone is compliment. This is just basic stuff. Compliment in public and challenge in private, one-on-one. You know, that's why I tell parents all the time with with their kids, don't do it publicly in front of everybody. Catch them alone, and it's a one-on-one. It's just a basic principle. Timing is everything. No one handles a challenge very well when they're tired, when they're fatigued, when they're they're out of energy, you know, and, and down for the count. And never, ever, ever, get this, never offer that challenge or that correction until you've proven that you can do it, have that happen to you. I know a lot of people that go, oh yeah, I'll correct everyone's life. Leave me alone though. You know, that's not going to work. If you are a true friend, it's a two-way street. And a little heads up, expect conflict. True friendships have conflict in them. There is no genuine relationship without conflict. You know, if, if there's no conflict, if you avoid conflict, sweep it under the rug, ultimately it will destroy that relationship. And unfortunately, too many people in our society s- settle for this superficial, conflict-free, pseudo-friendship or relationships. I mean, it's just sad. And so I wonder today, who is it you need to get honest with? You know, what problem are you pretending doesn't exist or isn't a problem? So be honest. Be honest. And so be confidential. We need to be confidential if we're going to have the kind of friendships that that we need to have. Proverbs 11.13 says, "A, A gossip betrays a confidence, but a trustworthy person keeps it guarded. Are you a person that can trust? Are you a person that can be trusted? And I know we we tend to think about like gossip and uh, we go, oh, it's a little sin, a little misdemeanor. And the fact is God talks about gossip in a a list of things like sexual immorality, uh, murder. Why? Because it's destructive to relationships. Gossip can tear a friendship apart. It can tear a family apart. It can tear a church apart. In fact, I would argue more churches have been destroyed with a thing called gossip than, than by persecution. You know, that friendships have been destroyed by gossip more than any other disloyalty that there is. It's just, it's powerful stuff. It destroys relationships. And so when you, when you trust someone and then you find out you couldn't trust them, that kind of gossip stuff is 
destructive. It'll destroy that relationship. It just will. And so, you know, people ask me, they go, well, what is gossip? I mean, I don't know that I quite understand. Well, here's, here's a shot at a definition. A gossip is talking about a situation with someone who is neither part of the solution nor part of the problem. Just in, in essence, it's boiled down to that. And, and if we're honest, many times the reason why we gossip is because at, in that moment, it makes us feel important, even though it's at the expense of someone else. You know, it's one of the, the fundamental values that I believe we need to have as a church. You know, we need to have in our, our small groups and on our teams is to keep confidential, not secretive confidential when someone shares with you what's happening to not not take it and run with it there's this great story in the old testament and uh, moses and his sister miriam miriam gets caught up in gossip one day and she's gossiping about moses and so god calls him into his office basically and so moses and miriam are, are before him and god starts with miriam he says, you know what, Miriam? You've been gossiping. That's a problem. It's wrong. And immediately, she gets leprosy. Now, I know some of you are going, whoa, that sounds awful. Boy, I would, I'd like that if the person gossiping about me. I mean, not leprosy, but like got the stomach flu or something. That'd be good, right? Well, then God invites Moses he says, Moses, I want you to pray for Marion's healing. The one that gossiped against you, you pray that she's healed. Wow. I mean, some of you have been hurt by gossip in, in your life. Things have been said around the office to, to friends or, or family. And so there's a struggle inside. And God would say to you, he'd say, you know what? Pray for their healing. Pray for that person that gossiped against you. Others of you have been the one running around gossiping. And God would say, you know what? You need to get a handle on this. This is serious, serious stuff. You know, keeping confidences, it's, it's important. It's important at work. It's important at church. It's important in every single relationship it enables us to keep connecting with one another. And here's our last one. This is so be gold. And I believe that we need to be gold in our relationships. That this is the gold standard for relationships. That as we go through trials and, and tough times together... As we struggle and we have triumphs and defeats, that friends connect with friends. Scripture says some friends play at friendship, but our true friends stick closer than one's nearest kin. That means we're committed to one another through thick and thin. That it, I believe when you're in the battle, when you're getting knocked silly, this is better than gold. Friendships are truer than gold. They'll see you through. Ecclesiastes 4.9 says two are better than one because they have a good reward for their toil. 
For if they fall, one will lift up the other. But woe to the one who is alone and falls and does not have another to help. I was reading about uh, draft horses the other day. And do you know one draft horse can pull between one to three ton, which is phenomenal. Two draft horses, you would think the answer would be three to six ton, right? But it's not. Two draft horses together can pull somewhere between 12 and 14 ton. It's called synergy. And there are some problems in life that you will never solve alone. You never will. But when you get in a relationship with other people, people that can help you and pray for you and encourage you to to be a better you, that's better than gold. Every stage in life, you're going to need a small group of friends You're going to need people that you can connect with, people in your life that that can stand by you. I'm always telling people a great place to start, if you don't have that, is get in a small group. Get on a team around here because we need each other. And I know some of you are going, oh, he's trying to convince us because he needs us to go. No, I don't need you to go. You need to go because you need to go. And I know some of you are going, yeah, but I I don't need anybody right now. Here's a news flash for you. You will someday. You can take that one to the bank. There will come a time when you're going to need someone that that will stand by you. You know, as your pastor, I, I am concerned about people's emotional needs and physical needs and spiritual needs. And everybody needs at least one close friend. We don't need a lot of friends. In fact, I would argue that that's a determinant. Uh, You can have a lot of acquaintances in life, and I know people that have tons of acquaintances, but they don't have any one person that they can depend on in their life. I mean, how do you test that gold standard in friendships? A A friend is someone that you could tell the craziest thing to, and they wouldn't blow you away. They, they wouldn't tell you to head out and leave them alone. You know, the, the, you could lay it all out, what's going on in your life. And they might challenge you, but they're not going to leave you. They're going to be there for you. They're, they're going to stand by you. You know, a, a true friend is someone that will confront your weaknesses, but won't get mad and leave you if you struggle with whatever it is. They'll point out your, your blind spots. And when they do, you won't get defensive. Now, based on that, how many close friends do you have? How many close friends? Because everybody needs at least one. Now, I'm going to ask the band to come, come out and join us. And, um, you know, I, I truly believe that friendship is an absolute. It's an essential in life. I also believe that we have to be that friend if we're going to have friends in our lives. And I believe that if we just are very conscious of that and make a deliberate 
decision that we're going to connect on this level with a few people, it'll change everything. Now, I've asked a, a couple friends to come and share with you what friendship's all about. You may recognize them. Um, they're kind of they're famous, um, but let's see what they've got to say today. 